Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And while you were here, you might as well check out the Leeds Podcast Network where we have six. Yeah, you heard it. Six brand new shows Monday through Saturday, each and every single week. You can listen to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And whenever you listen to them, we are there. We cover the NBA, the WNBA, and we even dip our toes into the NFL. Check us out because we're really good. Memphis, 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 what up, Grizz Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer. Today, we have with us, we have a duo, one of the best duos in the business. They are one of the hardest working duos creating basketball content. They often toe the line of comedy and sports and argue like brothers. <laughs> we have the Sleepers Media guys. This is Carter and Greg. What's up, guys? What's up? I am 100% clipping that intro for future purposes, as long as you are willing. That was just the best way to possibly sum up the dynamic between Carter and I. So thank you for that kind intro. Definitely hit, definitely hit that on the head. Thank you for having us. And we do argue like brothers. But you know what? I do consider Greg my fair-skinned brother from another mother. So it's, it, it fits. Also, for those at home, I don't think this is going on video. If it is, I'm mistaken. But uh, I have a Santa hat on and a John Morant throwback Grizzlies jersey on. So I really bought into the festivity of this appearance. Yeah, Greg came hot, man. He shows up in the old school Vancouver style Grizzly shirt or jersey. We'll say jersey and um, representing Jaw with the Santa hat as well. You know, why not? But today we're going to get into a little bit of uh, Michigan love, and that is going to involve Michigan and Michigan State love. So Greg is the Michigan guy. Carter is the Michigan State guy. Correct. Am I wrong? Am I an idiot? Correct. All right. It's it's a little bit. I'm confused as a fan, but yes, that's correct. All right. So yeah, Greg's confused. That's then that's normal. But we're going to hit on Jaron Jackson Jr. and then uh, XT a little bit, Xavier Tillman, and then reflect a little bit back on Zach Randolph and his career. But let's, uh, let's not beat around the bush. These guys, uh, they don't have a lot of time here. They're important. They're doing big <laughs> things. So let's go straight to Carter because he is the Michigan State Spartan. Jaron Jackson Jr., we love him here in the, in the Grizz 901 area. What is his ceiling for Jaron? Man. I, I love watching all the Grizzly games because basically what I do is I look at the Michigan State players that are doing what they're doing for the Grizzlies, and I go back to all the Michigan State people, and I'm like, this is what Jaron Jackson Jr. should have been at Michigan State if we gave him a chance. Well, we didn't give him a chance. But it's beautiful to see. You know, I think that, I mean, people talk about the ceiling for Jaron Jackson a lot, and for good reason. I mean, the tools are all there. I think he's an extremely hard worker. I mean, he comes from a basketball pedigree with his father playing in the NBA. The measurables are there. The jumper is there. Even though it's flat, it goes in. It's a knuckleball. It's money. Um, I think that, honestly, the ceiling for Jaron is a top, I would say top 15, top 20 player in the NBA. I think that he can affect the game on both ends of the floor. Um, I think he needs to stir up some things on the offensive end. I think he falls in love with the jump shot a little bit too much for my liking. But at the same time, he's knocking it down. And as long as he keeps his fouls down, he's able to stay on the floor and stay engaged. I really think that the ceiling is, you know, through the roof for Jaron Jackson. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the NBA, not just because he's a state player, but because of his game speaks for himself. So you're saying the ceiling is the roof? The ceiling is the roof, to, to quote the second best NBA player of all time in Michael Jordan. Greg, what is uh... – did, did we expect this uh, coming out of Michigan State? Because it, it, his his career there at State just was weird, uh, to say the least. So did we see this? So I think we did. I think most Michigan State fans would say, holy crap, we haven't seen somebody like this in a Michigan State uniform ever. Um, I mean, he – 
for lack of a better word, because everyone overuses this word, but he truly was a college basketball unicorn, not calling him an NBA unicorn, but like someone at that size with that shooting ability, like you, you get guys in college all the time who are lottery pick types off potential, off athleticism, off raw physical skills that they got from a higher power. Jaron has all of that. But he also has the touch of like one of the best shooting players, at least in college basketball. And I remember like the first couple games I'm watching him, I like I knew he was great. I'd seen him at La Lumiere, but like I was watching this man catch and shoot four threes a game and make two of them every single game. And he has the weird mechanics. I think those have improved a little bit since his time in college, but like it just went in at a rate that you never expect from a player like him. And to have that combination of shooting with his size, with his instincts is special. I think I, you know, I'm torn on Jaron because coming out of the draft, I loved him. I think I said he was the best big in that class and it was a pretty loaded big man class. I, I still think his ceiling is NBA all-star. I really Mm -hmm. do, but it's a little troublesome to me to look at his four years in the league I can't really point at anything from afar that I feel like he's gotten better at since he entered the league. And, you know, you watch a ton more than I do of the Memphis Grizzlies and of Jared in general. Maybe there are things I'm missing, but I definitely would have expected some statistical production somewhere to take a leap from where he was as a rookie four years ago to where he is now. And I don't think we've seen that for whatever reason there is. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So, the biggest issue with Jaron, it hasn't been his shooting, his, you know, really his defense in general, besides, you know, his foul trouble. And I, I Carr talked about that as well. Like his, if he doesn't foul, he's able to play more minutes, which means he's getting more points, which means he's doing a lot more and affecting the game a lot, a lot better. And also it allows you to get to a rhythm. And I think that's really Jaron's issue. It's nothing to do with anything else because his shot's going to fall. It's fallen. He does fall in love with the three-point shot way too much because he's seven foot, who knows, seven foot 13 at this point, you know, could just make up numbers. But uh, he is growing, which is weird, and he just continues to stay on the outside. But if he can figure out his fouls, I think that's really his biggest issue. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do believe in Jaron. I don't know, and I'll ask the question, I don't know if he is a two, like a, the, the, best, the best two player on a team. Is he the best two player? Is he the best three player? What do the Grizzlies need to get out of him to actually be a legit top contending team in the West? You want to take that one first? Do you want me to go? I have a quick thought that I'll just rattle off, and then I want your longer form thoughts on this. But the first thing that came to mind when you asked that question was the Phoenix Suns, actually. Okay. Like, I, I think they built around Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and to me, those are top-notch guys. Like, Aiton's a top-10 center in the league for sure. He has the ceiling of a top-5 center in the league. And Devin Booker is one of the best scorers the world has ever seen. And when they built around those two, that team did not experience any success, even though yeah. the promise was there. They didn't go anywhere. And I, I hated the move at the time. I w- am on record saying the Suns will not – uh, have more success with Chris Paul than they would have just keeping Ricky Rubio. I said that, wow. but uh, <laughs> that was obviously a miss, but they, okay. They add a guy like Chris Paul and all of a sudden, you know, debate who the best player on the team is. Now you have a three headed monster that can take a team to the NBA finals. Yeah. And I feel like that's similar with this Grizzlies team. Obviously you have Ja at point. I would not mess with that at all. I think John Moran is special, I don't know if Jaron is the number two or the number three, but I would view him the way I view DeAndre Ayton of like, if this team had some other all-star caliber guy who was a heavy on ball guy, I think Jaron probably makes a lot more sense as a pillar of a team that could go deep in the playoffs in that type of roster. Yeah. I just kind of to echo what G said. It, it's, it sounds, I think people get a little caught up in the fact that you're calling a player like a third option. Like it's not disrespectful on a championship team for DeAndre Ayton to be a third option. Like DeAndre Ayton is borderline trending to be an all-star. Jaron Jackson can be an all-star. I think a combination of Jaron Jackson being an all-star player, but being the third option is not disrespectful to Jaron at all. I think that's what's going to make the Grizzlies the best team. I don't know who that player would be or what type of player it would be to play against a dynamic point guard that, I mean, like John Morant is 
just unbelievable to me. So uh, I think they need to find something that go go with him and Jaron. But on paper, my initial reaction would be that I would like to see Jaron as the third option on this team. And the scariest part for me with Jaron is I don't want to year after year wait for that, I don't know, quote unquote jump. Like yeah. the, the, when he when he finally turns the corner, because I don't think he's turned the corner yet. And that's what's so appealing about Jaron. Like if he does turn that corner, he could unlock a whole nother level of play. But I don't think he's made that turn yet. And it would be a little bit concerning that he hasn't uh, made that turn yet, but not too much concern at this point because he's still fairly young. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So if you look at um, and, and looking for the jump, I look at his body and what he looks like, what he looked like when he came into the league to what he looks like now. He looks like um, like he's becoming a man, we'll say. And so I think with his size, I think it takes a little bit. His body has to catch up. He's like a little baby giraffe trying to find his legs and he's finding them. Right. It's just, you know, there's wobbles every night. It's weird, but somehow he's going to grow up. So uh We'll get we'll get past Jaron because I do like him, but let's talk about he was the best man to this guy uh, in, his, in his wedding and Xavier Tillman. And I don't want to spend too long. Carter, I'm just going to give you this one. Is it fair to say that Xavier Tillman could be a backup, lifetime backup big in this league, and that's okay? Yes, I do because I think you can. I mean, you you can bring a guy like off the bench like that who you don't have to worry about out there. You know, what you're going to get for him. I think he's got great passing ability, very underrated passing ability. And he's a big that's going to do it all and play hard in the minute you put him out there. And I think that's a very good tool to have in your toolbox. And you could throw a guy like Xavier Tillman out there on the floor. So I think he could be a you know lifetime backup big in the NBA. And that's not a bad thing at all. I think he could be productive in that role. Yeah, I agree. Um, he reminds me so much of Udonis Haslam. I don't know why. He just does. It's weird. The word, he's old. The word that comes to mind for me with Tillman is trust. Like yeah. I, I, it's not that you need him to be a starting center, but if you find him on the court in a must win play in game in the NBA playoffs and the ball is kicked to him in the corner, he'll hit the three. You can yeah. trust yeah. him to just make the smart play, do the smart thing. We saw that for three years at Michigan state. He was never a guy that demanded more attention. He came off the bench for two years. He became the best center in the big 10 his junior year. And then he left for the draft because he was ready. And now, you know, if he's a lifelong bench guy, that's a great thing for whatever team he's on. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the thing is, he could play, you know, 12 to 14 years and make like a decent, like I would say decent. Okay, a really good living at that, but decent for an NBA player. Man, there's there's nothing wrong with that, especially the guy he seems to be. He seems to be like a, just a good dude who can just be a solid big Um and another guy who is a solid big in the league is our last Grizzly we're going to talk about uh, for the most part is going to be Zach Randolph. I want to know how he's viewed outside of Memphis because we love, you know, Zebo here. But Carter, how is he viewed in the state of Michigan at, from the Michigan State fans? Like, what is he to y'all? Well, straight up, Michigan State loves Zebo. And speaking for me personally, I love Zach Randolph because he's one of the first players that I kind of latched on at Michigan State. Like, I was born in 93, so I wasn't necessarily watching, like, those Mo Peterson, Mateen Cleaves teams. Like, I wasn't really, like, into it like that then. But, like, Zebo was a guy who I saw myself. I was a big man who could barely jump. 10 inches off the ground, and Zebo could barely get 10 inches off the ground. And he was getting buckets. And I specifically remember telling my parents, like, is there any way I can become left-handed? Because I think it's so dope that he's left-handed and he can't jump over a book, but he's still getting buckets. And he bought that dog mentality. Like, when people talk about Michigan State basketball, they always use the word Spartan dog. Like, Zach Randolph was a Spartan dog through and through. Like, that's the epitome of what our program is. So he set that tone. So, you know, let's just say Zebo, he's not buying any drinks when he comes through East Lansing ever that's awesome um so greg what is you know what does he mean to you is it if does it continue through the entire state or is it just because if you have to be a huge michigan state fan because i know you're obviously you're torn you're lost you don't know who, whose fan you are of but yeah, is he I'm, big to you i'm an idiot is what i am no i'm I, look i'm a michigan state graduate that for whatever reason can't shake the fact that i was raised a michigan basketball fan it makes no sense it's it's 
transformed me into a Michigan State football fan somehow. And I still root for Michigan State basketball. But like I said, I can't shake the Michigan basketball fandom. No, Carter nailed it when he, he I wasn't sure if he was going to say it or not. And I was going to call him out if he didn't. Zebo is the Spartan dog. And like the MSU fans take that to like a laughable extent. I make fun of them a lot for it, but like, that's woof, woof. That's what they do. Everybody's the dog, the AWGS. We're going to slap the floor. We're going to be tough. We're going to run right through you. And like Zebo of all people, Zebo is the one who took that to the NBA with him. Like no offense to other Michigan state Spartan dogs that were great college players. Like who's Draymond is definitely one. Zebo is definitely two. Like beyond those guys, like, I don't know. Everybody else has had like Jay Rich was athletic. I don't think he was like a dog in the league. Miles Bridges is doing some things. I don't think he was like toughness is what that means. Yeah. And that never comes about. That doesn't become a staple of the program. If a guy like Zach Randolph doesn't play for Michigan State at the time that he did, because when he did, I mean, Tom Izzo was still relatively new at Michigan State. And I think they needed someone who not only would be that in college, because like Carter mentioned, Mateen Cleaves, those teams, the Flintstones, like they, they were tough college players. And then they didn't do a ton in the league. They needed Zach Randolph to come through, do what he did be a, you know, I think he was a one and done at Michigan state yeah. move on and then have success for two decades. And, you know, obviously you think of the grit and grind Grizzlies, you think of Zach Randolph and everything that he stood for. And Michigan state is a big part of that. Yeah. Who's your, uh, Carter, who's your uh, number, let's say your top two players, Michigan State, ever for you, personally? You don't have to be the best players ever, but for you. Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, probably Kaylin Lucas. Ooh. And, ugh, that's tough. You're not saying the obvious one. Am I missing an obvious one? Yeah, I, you should say Cassius Winston. I feel like. Oh, Cassius sorry. Cassius. You're right. Cassius. Yeah. Cassius ain't. Cassius and Kalen for me. Greg, I, I don't know if you're looking for an idiot team, but uh, who's your idiot team top two? Oh, man. I Miles Bridges is special to me. I mean, he came right after I left. And uh, the fact that he stayed a second year, it didn't work out the way it should have for him. But the fact that he did is unheard of. He was a top 10 pick and chose to come back for all the right reasons. Um, so I, I'll never shake that. I loved him. I'll go. I'll give a deep cut. I love Shannon Brown. He's the mm. first Michigan State player that sort of raised my eyebrows to like. Uh, at the time, I was a full-on Michigan fan, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is fun to watch!" Like he was just much see television. He had some success in the league, obviously with the Lakers. Um, so yeah, I'll go with those two. Nice. I like that. Um, all right, let's get into the the last thing that is the more controversial thing, and the in the obviously. The thing that's on my mind the most is the $480.86 that Greg lost. Greg, do you know why that number is important to you? I don't. I'm, I'm shook right now. I'm scared. I think you put out with the Sleepers Media, y'all have a newsletter or an email that goes out, and you had a long parlay. Do the Grizzlies owe you $480.86? Oh, God. Yes. Oh, man. Listen, I've I've already moved on. That's how much of a degenerate gambler that I am. I'm sweating out the fact that I just – this ten, well, here's another one, folks. I bet against Tennessee because I think Tennessee stinks. There's probably a lot of listeners that are Tennessee fans to this. I hate Rick Barnes. I think he's horrible. I bet against them. I bet uh, that – who'd they just play i can't even remember now arizona arizona yeah i bet that arizona would run them out of the gym and then i covered that bet by live betting arizona like four times so um yeah i've already moved on but no the grizzlies owe me in a major way okay we have the betting newsletter the entire intention of the betting newsletter is to send out long shot parlays because i hit a couple of those in college football this year it was very fun people were like where can i hear these I'm like, okay, I'll set something up. They'll probably never win. And what do you know? For four months, they haven't been winning. <laughs> we were so, so close. We literally had one on, I think it was Monday of this week, yesterday. And it came down literally to Grizzlies money line. I closed it. I didn't even look. I went to bed with my wife because they were up 12 at the end of the first quarter. And they blow a 15-point lead to the Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that they just beat by 70 points like two weeks ago. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be such a tough one for me to get over. Daniel, I'm mad at you for reminding me that that happened. <laughs> I had to. Uh, and the reason is, is I'm going to segue into this. The reason 
that John Morant and the controversy that's going on with him is this two fans down in Memphis. Carter, we'll start with you. Do you know about it, A? And two, what do you make of the whole situation, just on your point of view? Yeah, I do know about it. And I just to lay the foundation right here, I'm a Detroit Pistons fan. So basically, I have no sympathy, and I think it's just absolutely ridiculous that those fans were even saying the things that they were saying about them, John Morant needing to sit because the Grizzlies will be a better team without John Morant. Like, I'm not sure what, why that thought would come across your head because there's some fans out there who watch Killian Hayes run their team on a night-to-night basis, and I would give my left toe. <laughs> I would give multiple left toes to have John Morant be my point guard. So, and And it just doesn't make sense to me why you would – because in my eyes, this might be controversial to you, Daniel. I don't want to set you off on anything. John Moran's the best point guard y'all ever had. True. Like he's 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 better than Mike Conley. He is. Oh, we I'm 100%. sorry to I'm sorry to interrupt this agenda and this conversation, but before the show ends, we need to ask Carter his pointed thoughts on Mike Conley. Hey, let, let's get into it because we I love Mike Conley, okay? <laughs> but is he uh I guess is he good because of the system was he good because of the people around him i disagree with that statement what people will make i do believe he is good we call him the conductor here in memphis but give us your thoughts on mr conley i think he's just he's i don't know he falls into that category of just a solid point guard that's been doing it for so long that he just kind of gets thrown into like that great or you know a you know really all-star level point guard when i really don't think he is um, to he me, made, he's just, he made the right, it's sound disrespectful. one time. It's going to sound disrespectful, but I honestly think he's a better version of, of Raul Neto. If you know who that is, that he's a better version of him. And also Mike Conley has zero career technical fouls. Zero. Okay. That is terrible. Your leader has zero career technical fouls. That's disgusting behavior. Yeah, does he, does he even want to be there? Like, do, would he rather be at home reading a book cart? I'd rather have a point guard that's real. I'd rather have a point guard that's willing to die for the Grizzlies logo. I know John Morant's getting texts. I know John Morant's doing the goggles, telling people he's here, letting people know he's getting buckets. I love that energy. I'm just not with the Mike Conley energy. Which one, uh, Conley or Morant? Who do you think actually resembles the city of Memphis more? Ja, I think Ja does. <laughs> I don't know enough about the city of Memphis to answer that question. To be it's honest. it's definitely more blue collar. Uh, we're, we're a little hood, you know, a little hood around the edges. Uh, we're, we're tough city. And Mike so- Conley reminds me of that guy from that commercial where he goes to the ref and he's like, Hey, just so you know, like I touched it. I hit the ball out of bounds. Like give it to the other team. <laughs> like that's like, no, we don't want that energy, man. The disrespect for Conley. I, I love the dude. Uh, met him in a, uh, a best buy his, uh, his rookie year. And I turned to my buddy after we walked off and I said, I'm, I'm bigger than he is. And uh, I don't think he's ever going to do good in Memphis. Sorry. He was just too nice. But he did get a technical one time. It got rescinded the next day. (laughs) He probably begged and pleaded, came to the league office in tears, telling him to take it away. Yeah, it was uh, Memphis Radio was all about that. Uh, All right. Well, Greg, like, is there anything that you think about the, the fans? Because honestly, what we don't know is who the fans were. We, we have no clue. And John Morant, uh, he could have made it up. I don't want to start that. That's, that's a bad agenda to go down. But he could have made it up because sometimes when people make up stuff, such as Kobe or, or you know, I guess Jordan, can make up stuff to make them even more mad, right? And to uh, kind of fuel their fire. But Ja, who has famously called me out, um, and he's, he's the one that went on the, the Lakers, I guess after the Lakers game on the broadcast, and he called me out personally uh, for going at him on Twitter uh, back, uh, I don't want to say in March of last year. And so he does look at Twitter and he does look at the naysayers. But do you think that this is warranted from job? Ja, but also, like, how's your what's your thought process on the whole deal? I'm really torn, to be honest with you. And I this might give me some shit for saying this. And I might be playing both sides here. I don't know. But I, I first of all, in general... Fans need to have a brain like what productive is happening of sitting courtside at a game and specifically trying to engage in a conversation with a player of a team you root for 
and tell them negative things like that. That's not helping anyone objectively. I would assume those fans have had too much to drink or are just assholes in general. Um, I personally would not do that. If I went to a game, I, there's just no reason for it whatsoever. That said, one of my biggest pet peeves in basketball is when players, I don't want to say target fans, but like when either players or coaches make players, the victims of online discourse. Mm. Now this, this was not online, right? Like, this, this was a thing that could have been said in person. And if it was, then that's not helping anybody. But like to me, fans, media, everybody involved in the sport has a right to say what they think about games, whether it's good or bad, whether yeah. if a player is playing poorly, like part of the fun of basketball is talking about things that go poorly. I do it all the time. I mean, if you listen to our show, like we, we rip on everybody. Carter's ripped on Mike Conley. Like, <laughs> It, it happens. But to me, like what I don't like is when it becomes a thing like Michigan State's notorious for this. Like Tom Izzo's like that Twitter is so horrible. Like not. Nah, I mean, your player's playing poorly. Like right, if the right. player's going to go search his name, he's going to see some negative things. It is what it is. And to me, this kind of toes the line of that. Like as much as I love John Morant, because I do. He's one of my favorite players in the league. I'm literally wearing a throwback John Morant jersey right now. I love him. At the same time. I thought he was pretty bad in that game as someone that had money on the Grizzlies, <laughs> like the decisions he made down the stretch of that game. And the, just the plays that happened were as bad as could possibly be. And, you know, objectively the Grizzlies played some great basketball without him. So I, I kind of wish this was a non-story. Like if Ja did hear that, I, I don't necessarily think it needed to be aired out publicly in a way that makes him the victim. Like, I would have liked to see it just be like, eh, move on. But yeah. at the same time, it, the fans should be smarter than that and know that they're not bringing anything positive to the table. Yeah, I'll wrap that up because I, I think everybody in Memphis media has said enough about it. But uh, mainly, Jaw is known to kind of let stuff uh, fuel him, which most, you know, I guess competitors really do. You use that to your as your fuel. Uh, but at the end of the day, he said it caught him off guard. And and who knows if those guys are even fans? Like, are they fans right. of the Grizzlies? Are they just John Morant fans and they're pissed off? Or what? I, who knows? Who knows if there weren't Thunder fans sitting courtside because, you know, it's a cheap ticket, right? It's in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, so who knows? But one thing I did hear was from uh, B.J. Armstrong. And he said that the the Chicago Bulls had a better regular season record the year after Jordan retired. Like, if you want to think about all that, like what it breaks down to, the Grizzlies had a great uh, a run while Jaw was out, okay? Well, then he said the same thing. Like, we were just, we were good. We just weren't as good, but we had a better, better record overall in the regular season. So things happen. That does not mean that they were a better team without Jordan. It just means that they had a group of guys that came together and played well. So that's where I finally, you know, understood really it's NBA basketball. They're, they're professionals. And so in the end of the day, it is what it is, but those fans suck. And I hope they never get let back in the game again. But um, also Daniel, into- sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, but I just want to say as Carter and I are collectively, one of the few things we agree on is we are anti Michael Jordan in the Michael Jordan, LeBron James conversation. So that stat that you dropped about the bulls being better the year after Michael Jordan retired is a frequent stat of mine. Good, perfect really? use. Perfect use by you on that. Great job. True. Also, I want to know, do you have any insight on how John Moran gets his phone so damn quick after games? I swear to God, he misses a free throw or misses something, and he's tweeting, like, directly after. There's no way. It's got to be, like, sitting in the tunnel or something. Yeah, I I don't know. I just know that um, I was blown up one night after it happened, right? And so my phone was blown up when he did the walk-off interview on me. Uh, So he does get to the phone. He does read everything, even if you don't at him. He will find his name and he will see it and he will respond back to you. So I am a I'm sitting here as a person who knows that he does get to his phone quickly. Kind of like it, though, like as a petty person, like I I respect the petty grind. And also there's something about these point guards from small colleges that like like Dame Lillard and John Morant to me are two of the pettiest players in the league. And they're also two of my favorite players in the league. So right. take that for what it is. Well, and the other thing is, is like, if you're going to be petty, people are going to come at you, such as these fans, and they mm-hmm. might, you know, 
they might want a rise out of him. And that might be really what they were looking for. Who knows? But anyway, all right, let's get into you guys. So uh, Greg Carter, whoever wants to lead it off, tell us a little bit about where the fans can find you. I know you are doing so much, uh, but Carter, lead us off. Where can they find you? What are you doing? Well, first of all, I got to play my sleepers role right here. If I was the one to tell you where all our stuff is, I would lead everybody to the wrong area. So what I'm going to do is play my role in sleepers and hand this off to Greg so people can actually find our stuff. Wow. Thank you so much for that. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at sleepers media at Carter Elliott underscore underscore, because one underscore was not enough underscores for this. Oh, no, cause one underscore uh, was taken. Sure. Uh, it's not like that's a pain at all on the editing side. Uh, you can find me at GWizzy 12. Our YouTube channel is where all of our shows are. Uh, we do a series called Drunk Scouts, where we mm. literally play a drinking game and break down uh, prospective NBA prospects. We're probably going to record one tonight after this wraps, which should be fun. Uh, that's just Sleepers Media on YouTube. And uh, yeah, I think that's probably it. If we do a betting newsletter as well that we referenced earlier. You'll find that through my Twitter if you follow us. So again, thank you, Daniel, for having us on. This is fun. For sure. Uh, and we got, yeah, we have two more things to hit on. Greg, what is your record? I know you've been going for what, 40 days or whatever it is now on uh, your daily picks. Um, what is your record so far? Just if you had to guess or if you actually know. Uh, I was quickly scrolling to find it, but I don't know it. You probably do know it because you're the professional that you are. I believe we are 19 games over 500 after the results from tonight. Well, I am uh, not as professional because I really <laughs> just thought about that. And ah, so, shit. Oh, no, I got it. I got it. We are uh, we are 73 and 54 through 41 days of daily picks. Damn, that's 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 good. So go follow just it, whatever. Like they're doing so much stuff. We'll make sure we tag everything on here uh, whenever we put out the, the podcast. So uh, go find it in the description off of uh, one of our tweets, whatever. But go check it out. Uh, the guys are good. Uh, Drunk Scouts is uh, funny, hilarious, tiptoeing the line of comedy, basketball, whatever. Uh, a, little bit, a little bit of both. Yeah, it's, it's the best. So um, they do more of college basketball stuff the most. And so with that, I wanted to get a college basketball thing in because I think it's smart, but also it ties into the Grizzlies. These could be six players that I think that the Grizzlies could pick up, right? We don't know. The Grizzlies have three first-round picks next year. So who the hell knows where they're going to pick at because they could combine all the picks and pick second, or they could just do whatever they want and stay at 12th. Uh, so I, I deem this the sleeper six. So whoever wants to go first, uh, go ahead and throw out your guys, but three guys each that you think that the fans need to know about. You go first, Kurt. Yeah, okay. why you let actually let's let's alternate, okay? Okay. All right. I will say this with a little bit of discretion. The first guy that I'm naming is pretty well known. Like he's gonna be a top five pick. Yeah. But I absolutely love Jabari Smith from Auburn. Okay. I think he is an absolute his offensive tool set, I think, is not even unlocked fully yet. I think he can unlock a whole nother type of offense with the passing don't know if we're going to see that at Auburn necessarily with the type of offense they run with what Bruce Pro is doing over there but it is fun to see him in that offense you know shooting mid-range jumpers shooting you know from the post outside I think his offensive skill set is really crazy and this year I think they came into the year with motor questions and that hasn't really happened up into this year I think he's special talent with some great coaching he can be even better so he's one of my favorite prospects in this draft and if you actually Google Jabari Smith, it, or uh, yeah, Jabari Smith, it brings up that he is age 44. Uh, that is not him. That's his dad. Uh, go check out Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, that is the actual player out of Auburn. Uh, so I have a question for you, Daniel. What it, what's the likely result from a pick scenario for the Grizzlies next year? The thing is the Grizzlies are, they're pretty deep. Uh, and that's the reason they went, they, they played so well with, you know, so much as, you know, turmoil in the team, what's its injury. So I'd say shooting is what they value, but length is a, another thing. That's the reason they went out and got Santi Aldama because he's practically seven foot and can move. So I'd say shooting and size with, you know, athleticism is what they go for. What in the draft, are they likely like 
in upper lower 20s is that what we're thinking no you're good that's that was no you're good so they have three first round picks they have theirs uh they also have the lakers and they have the jazz this year and so they're all going to be 20s unless the lakers do the lakers that they're doing right now and maybe it's a better pick Okay, so what I what I try to do with my picks here, and we'll, again, we'll alternate back and forth. So if Cart steals one of mine, I got a couple more prepared. But I tried to hone in on guys that I think will be available in the low 20s range or potentially like late lottery. Because I think okay. the Grizzlies could theoretically move up, use those three picks, right. slide into like the 12 to 14 range. Um, I, by the way, I love Jabari Smith, but I also think Jabari Smith's going to go top three in this draft. So I yeah. think that's a little bit of a pipe dream as far as Grizzlies go. Um, I'm going to start with a guy, a, a big 10 guy. I might go a lot of big 10 guys today, potentially, but Keegan Murray to me is one of the best players in the country that nobody's talking about. He plays at Iowa. He plays the forward position. Sometimes he plays small ball five. He can play as low as the three he can handle. He can shoot. He honestly might finish this year as a 50, 40, 90 guy. I think he's averaging like 20 plus points, almost a double, double. Like he carries this Iowa team and it's very unique at the college level because Iowa never guards anybody. And Keegan Murray is one of the best defenders college basketball has seen in a very long time. He can switch and guard one through five. He's not the longest. Like I I don't think, you know, he's going to pop at the NBA level for a crazy wingspan, but how mobile he is for his size is impressive. He would have no problem switching on to NBA guards Uh, I think he would fit phenomenally in the Memphis front court. If you could throw him at the four, he would not need to be an on-ball guy, but he would be a guy that can hit shots anytime people leave him open, can score in the post, can score at three levels. Um, And I think, honestly, I I think he's going to end up falling just outside of the lottery. He might be there at like the 20 range if Memphis is picking there. Um, But I think whoever gets him in the NBA is going to get a stud. I like it. Carter? I like that pick too, G. I'm going to think 20 range as well on this one. And I'm actually going to stay in the Big Ten with this. And I'm going to go with Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Because I think that he's probably one of the most, or has shown this far this up until this point this year, I think he's been one of the most complete players in college basketball. I don't think he's surrounded by a lot of talent at Wisconsin. But without him at Wisconsin, that team does not go. I think he's shown to take that momentum from the summer with the U19 USA team. He showed that he can score at all three levels. He's able to get his own shot. He's a willing defender. I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily, I think I'd put him in like the, you know, great defender role. I think he has the tools to be a great defender. Don't necessarily think he does it at this point, but at the same time, Wisconsin players always play solid defense, but I think he's a three level scorer. You can plug him right into that lineup right away to be able to knock down shots, score at all three levels. So I like him a lot. I yeah. Like Johnny Davis is a bucket. That's the word that comes to mind. Uh, whoever they, I, I think he's an NBA scorer right now, wherever he ends up. I'll be very curious. I could see him like, I wouldn't be shocked if he was a second round pick. I wouldn't be shocked if he was wow. a late lottery pick. So I'll be very curious where he ends up. Uh, Cart, let's keep this big 10 string going. Nothing more <laughs> on brand for us than to just rattle off like seven big 10 players. But uh, I'm going to shout out another Grizzlies guy that we know from Twitter and from uh, just the, the Spotify green room app. Sean Coleman has been pushing an agenda to get Jaden Ivy on the Grizzlies <laughs> since this college basketball season has started. Uh, I, I think Jaden Ivy is going to be a lottery pick. I don't know how high he'll end up being taken. I think, Honestly, Ivy's a little overhyped to me at this point because I, I don't think there are many guards in this draft class is the problem. Like you look at the top, Jabari Smith, Bancaro, Holmgren, none of those guys are, are guards. Jaden Hardy's been horrible in the G League. Um, and then even on down, like everybody else that's a projected lottery pick is like a wing slash forward, except for Jaden Ivy. And I think in a normal year, Jaden Ivey's probably a fringe lottery guy. But this year, it's like, oh, should we take Jaden Ivey fourth overall? Like, it just seems a little dicey to me. Um, but if, if, God forbid, Memphis found themselves somehow in the lottery and Jaden Ivey was available, I love the fit there. I just do. I think a backcourt of him and Ja would be so explosive and so fun. I think Ivey's blossoming more as an off-ball player this year. Everyone expected him to be the point guard. And Matt Painter, Purdue's coach, has been very insistent that he play off the ball all season. And it's been working. His shot's improving. 
And everything else is there except the three-point shot right now. He's going to be explosive in the open floor, NBA spacing. He's going to be the biggest benefit of moving from college to NBA, I think, in this entire draft class. Uh, a defensive killer. Like, he just makes big plays at big time, steals, blocks, everything. So, I love Ivy. No clue if he'll be there. He won't be there for the Grizzlies if they're picking at 20. But if they could move up and target him, I would love to fit. Yeah, I think the Grizzlies easily could move up if they wanted to. They have so much uh, depth. I, there's no way they're picking three people in this draft. There's just they don't have enough room. They have 12 people under guaranteed contracts. So I know we do have the trade deadline coming up as well as free agency. But a uh, little note on uh, Jaden Ivy. Do you know um, who his mom used to coach for? No, the great. No, his mom used to coach uh, for wait for Purdue, right? That I don't know. I know she's now the head coach at Notre Dame women's well I think I think she might have been an assistant on for might have been an assistant at Purdue I'd have to check that but I know she is the Notre Dame women's coach now yep so she used to be um I see that she was a NBA player for Indiana Fever Detroit Shock Phoenix Mercury um I don't she was assistant coach for the University of Notre Dame women's basketball team where she now is the head coach but she was also one of the assistants with the Grizzlies for, I think it was two years. That's what it was. Yeah. And so she left, I think it was uh, to take this position. So it was, uh, so that's really where the ties in uh, with Jaden Ivey come in. Um, and that's probably where Sean Coleman, uh, shout out Sean. Uh, he's probably pushing the narrative. It's either a Tennessee ball or it's somebody close to home for Sean every time. Honestly, I'm shocked I haven't heard anything from Sean after Tennessee's win today. I mean, that's uh, the only time I ever hear from that man. Is after you, the you, you will soon just you know, ask and you shall receive. <laughs> there might be a run-in on this. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, let's get to our last two. Carter, go ahead. All right. <laughs> I think I might keep the Big Ten thing going here, G. <laughs> uh, actually, G's guy, he could probably get on oh, this no. a little more. But if Caleb, if Caleb Houston is there at 20 – I think that fills a great role for the – I mean, you said you want shooting and you want length. I think Caleb Houston has both those things. I think he's the – between him and Patrick Baldwin, I think are the best shooters in this class. And Caleb Houston's jumper is one of the prettiest things to watch in college basketball. I think it needs to fall at a higher rate, but it's really pretty to look at. And I think he's going to be a real good NBA player. He's about 6'8", six, 6'9", six, has solid wingspan. I think he'll be a really good NBA player. And – Lucky for the Grizzlies, I think his draft stock's taken a little hit because he had a slow start to the year. Yeah. So I think he might be available in that 20 range where coming into the year he was considered a lottery talent. Nice. I was wondering if you would go there. I He's been pretty poor for Michigan is my problem. Like, I still I, think it's there, though. I still see it. I do too. I, I just, I think Houston's going to be a better NBA player than he is a college player. I think you could plug him into an NBA rotation and he'd, he'd make open shots if he's left open, but I I'm not sure the rest is there the way I thought it would be. Um, I honestly, I, this may be the Michigan fan in me talking, but I'm not convinced he's a one and done, especially if his stock keeps falling. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. He fits in with the Grizzlies. I just think like I'd like to see him have a better March than he's had a better December before I would feel good about that. Um, all right. I have one more. I'm going to stick in the big. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Uh, I have one. I, I just love this guy. And when I think like back to the grit and grind dog stuff, this is like the biggest quote unquote dog in college basketball this year for me. Kendall Brown from Baylor. Good pick. He'll be gone. He'll be gone, though. He's a monster. I don't know where he will be, Carr. I don't think he's going to work his way into the top five in this draft. Like, I, I think see, he's a late lottery guy. I could see. Okay, here I'll let you go. I'll let you go with your with your spiel. But I could see him kind of rising up like a like an Isaac Okoro type situation. He snuck yeah. into the top five. I think that could happen easily with Kendall Brown. But I love that pick for Memphis. You're probably right. I right now I have him viewed as like a late lottery guy. He's a six foot eight guard. He's shooting 71% from the floor in college right now. He's shooting 50% from three, 73% from free throw. Like, he's tough. He took over the game Baylor just played at Oregon. Uh, and Oregon, who's been horrible this year, was shooting the lights out. There was no reason Baylor should have won that game. Everybody else on Baylor was playing horrible. And Kendall Brown just went on like a 12-0 run by himself. He had like a tough mid-range shot. He had a steal for a dunk. He had an and one and then a three. And all of a sudden, Baylor took the lead and they never looked back. Uh, he's a two-way player. He's a guy that could play anywhere from the two through the four at the NBA level. 
Uh, and to me, it, when we're talking back to Ja and Jaron, like if you need that third guy, who's it going to be? Man, there's not much of a better fit in this draft class than a guy who could play the two through four, both offensively and de- defensively and do what Kendall Brown can do. I have one honorable mention, a fun one, Trevor Keels from Duke, yeah. because I think uh, Ja and Jaron are both so skinny that I think we need someone that puts a little meat on the bone and Trevor Keels will do that. Okay. The man's like a 300 pound shooting guard. He's a bucket and he will be available at the 20th pick. If he gets down to Memphis and gets, gets a taste of that barbecue, that man's about to blow the hell up. That man is chunky. He is. Well, uh, we'll, we'll keep him away from bill street um, because we don't want him to blow up. But I think that is, that's a great pick out of that, Greg, because the simple fact is the Grizzlies have Tyus Jones, which I know he's a Minnesota guy. Uh, so he's up North. He is going to be a free agent. If so, either they're going to you know let him go in the free agency, resign potentially, or trade him. But I don't know if he's long for the Grizzlies. I really do think they could use these pick and get a backup point guard who's young but could play alongside Ja for years to come. And I think somebody like Trevor Kills, who can play on ball, but also play off ball if need be, is very good fit. So I do like that. Um, so we had uh, Carter had Jabari Smith, Johnny Davis, and Caleb Houston. Greg had Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey, and Kendall Brown. Uh, Kendall Brown's dad was a globetrotter. His older brother plays for St. Thomas. Hey, I like the, uh, the, the fighting Tommies. He's a winner, too. Winner. Like Sunrise Christian, great high school program, tough, always, you know, puts out tough at like tough kids. So yeah. like he's a winner. I like it. I like it. All right. So we've hit on enough today. Uh, two things I want to hit on because this is uh, Christmas week, even though uh, my family is going to uh, spend Christmas together this year. And that's just us. It's a COVID Christmas. My wife just got fillets. We're having a Christmas dinner. No familia is going to join us this year. Uh, but I have uh, some fun things for Christmas. So I want to know if you have anything that is overrated or underrated. And I know Carter's got a really good overrated one. You can save that if you'd like, or you can lead off with it. So Carter, we'll let you go first. Yeah, so I got a tie for my two overrated. One is eggnog. Eggnog is straight up overrated. It's gross. It's trash. It's, don't even have to put any explanation to it. It's just not good. Don't try to tell me what to mix with it. It's just not good. Okay. And the other overrated thing for Christmas for me is when people put a gift inside a box that's not what the actual gift is. So like if I got a Xbox and you put it inside a shoebox, that's just childish. So stop doing that. Just show me the Xbox. <laughs> that's funny. And the funny thing is, is I literally just wrapped my brother-in-law's gift in a, um, a Swiss Miss hot chocolate box. He's going like, to open it. Daniel, he, I, you, you know he's not getting Swiss Miss. He knows this. But it's funny. It's all I had. Okay. Uh, okay. I'll let you. I'll let Greg, Greg, do you have anything for us? Oh, I, of course I do. Are we just doing overrated or are we doing both Either. overrated and underrated? Okay. okay. I, I, have, I have two for both here. Uh, all right. First of all, overrated to me, stockings. I think stockings, as I've grown older, are a little bit of uh, just an unnecessary element to the day like yeah they're fun you get some candy you throw some random like I just went and picked up lottery tickets to throw in me and my wife's stockings like I I could do without them at this point like they look cool on the mantle but beyond that like it just seems like a set piece that nobody truly is looking forward to except for very tiny children I'm out on stockings. That's crazy. The stocking intangibles itself are great because they're the de- they're decoration, and then you have stuff inside them. They really do it all. It's a Swiss Army yeah. knife. I mean, if I Christmas wanted to eat, if, I, if I wanted to eat like some Tootsie Rolls out of a sock, I could do that on a July Saturday anytime. Like I don't need to do that December 25th. There's no point. Um, wow. Second overrated for me, wrapping paper in general pointless like i get that we're like we're trying to do gifts and that's cute every i love giving and getting gifts but like i have always been like i'll i'll wrap with whatever i have like sometimes to try to be a contrarian i'll wrap with the paper inside out so my presents are just white like trying to get the most perfect looking gift to me pointless don't spend time on that buy the cheapest wrapping paper you can throw that shit in a bag just give it to me straight from amazon i do not care what it looks like we're good it's the thought that counts. It's the love that counts. It's not the presentation of the present itself. 
Uh, okay, too underrated though. On a positive note, your wife's Chris, not going to agree with the last one, probably. No, yeah, she's going to she's going to be grumpy because she's an elite present rapper for the yeah. record. Like, if you listen to this, babe, you're you're incredible. Trust me. But and you don't need to waste so much time on it. Okay, uh, Chris, Christmas music, hella underrated. Oh my god, Christmas music slaps. Like, I will listen to that shit in March. I swear to God. Like, I'll put on NSYNC, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, the day of the NCAA tournament because that's what makes me happy. Like, I want to be vibing. I'll go pick up a Sabaro pizza, head home because I took the day off work and watch 12 hours of basketball listening to NSYNC Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. The happy music there is. Mariah Carey has a hit. I hope everyone knows that's a top 10 song ever made. Uh, I love Christmas music in general. And Justin Bieber's Christmas album slaps. Finally, underrated. Elves. Wow. Answer me this, folks. Why do we have named reindeer that really matter, that we respect the grind of, their contributions to Christmas Day, but we don't have one named elf that matters? Like, yeah, I get the buddy. movie elf, buddy, buddy the elf, Will Ferrell, God bless him, it was a great performance. Why is there not an elf that is ingrained in Christmas lore, passed down from generation to generation? of the elf that set the tone for all other elves. There's hundreds of elves. I'd assume thousands of elves that put in great work to make Christmas what it is. It's, it's just blasphemy to me that we're honoring something like a reindeer or nine reindeer, but we don't have any named elves. The only, no, the only known name of an elf I know is Papa Elf. I don't know if that's real. All I know is Buddy the Elf. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's, this is what I'm saying. Like the, the elves are an integral part of all of this. They arguably work harder than anyone. And they don't get the shine of the big man with the beard. Like, let's put some respect on the elves' names. They deserve it. Elves' lives matter. <laughs> wow. I've never thought about that in all honesty. I've never thought about not knowing the elves' names. Wow. Craig's an idiot. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> every time. That might have been. Uh, yeah, that was probably. I, know, I, just, I podcast with this guy all the time. And it never ceases to amaze me what type of information I'm going to get. And it's moments like that that just make it all worth it. Thank you, that, Greg. That was top-notch, Greg. I, listen, Carter, I would ask for your underrated, but at this point, I don't know if it even matters. I, it does I, I think it's done. I think It I really think, does not. I think the whole podcast is going to end talking about elves, because why not? It's Christmas week. So, it is Christmas. guys, this has been a blast, man. I've had so much fun. Um, I've honestly glad that y'all took up all the time talking because the least that i talk the better i feel so i'm i'm shout out to you guys i just kind of let y'all go because that's what y'all do best so so thank y'all again but uh anything uh coming up that we need to check out i know we you talked about it earlier but anything on the horizon for maybe christmas week or anything besides your day off I don't think so. I think we're going to have a, a new something from the sleepers, probably a drunk scouts uh, by next week. We do a weekly Michigan state basketball podcast called unscripted through the field of 68. That will be out every single week. Uh, but other than that, man, this has been a blast. Thank you for having us on. Merry Christmas to you and your family. We appreciate you and a big fan of everything you guys are doing. Like I said, I don't watch a ton of Memphis Grizzlies, but I will listen to this podcast specifically because I love the work that you're doing. Thank you. Greg, Gregory said it best. Appreciate you. Man of good words. All right, guys. I appreciate you. Thank you, everyone else. Have a Merry Christmas. <laughs>